Hey guys, welcome back to another episode on Dialogue and I hope that all of you are doing well and that you're safe and you're healthy. Um, if you are tuning in for the first time, it's so nice to see you and do know we're on Spotify and that we are also on YouTube and if you are coming back, welcome back. It's a new week, it's a new episode. And I think that this episode is a little bit different because we actually initially filmed the first portion. So most of you know that I pre-record a lot of my episodes, most of my episodes. I don't like to do them the week before, but this is a different one. It's a little bit special because we actually recorded an episode a month ago, mm -hmm. but a lot of things have actually changed since then. And you know how like uh, COVID, the pandemic, the lockdown, so much has happened. Like a lot has changed since the first time we filmed and recorded this episode. So today we decided, you know what? We're gonna re-sit down and talk about this again. And we're gonna like chat about this whole thing again because there has been a lot of different developments and yeah, a lot of changes as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you hear this person nodding and agreeing next to me, um, or if you are tuning in on YouTube and you see someone sitting next to me, um, yeah, this person is actually my dad. And he is, um, yeah, he's the dad to me, David and Declan. Uh, yeah, um, why I've brought him on, as you can tell already from the title of this pod, um, I figured, you know, because this episode, um, this whole series of like dialogue is something of stories and I want to be able to share experiences and stories on this pod with like a safe space. So, you know, even with like the pandemic and we've talked so much about frontliners, we see it on the news. I wanted to be able to bring on someone that is firsthand uh, in a GP setting to just talk a little bit and share about his experience. So yeah, like I figured why not just bring my dad on because a lot of people have a lot of questions. So yes, um, before that, do you want to introduce yourself? Like who are you, your name, um, how long you've been working as a doctor and all? Uh, hi everyone, my name is uh, John. I've been working as a GP for about 20 years. And before that I was, uh, the MO in the hospital clang that was in the news uh, recently. Mm. And uh, so- Not for the good reasons though. Yeah. Like very sad yeah, reasons. I really pity the healthcare worker there and the patients uh, that is there. But it has been a very interesting journey uh, for me, especially starting the beginning of last year when the uh, COVID-19 uh, began to appear from uh, nowhere. Yeah, so I'm here to share about my personal experience and journey as a GP frontliner and how we struggle to cope, uh, to protect ourselves, my family, and also to treat my patient. Yeah, wow. How long mm. have you been practicing again? 20 years. 20 years. Do you mm. feel time flies? Uh, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I, I can't wait for uh, the time when I can uh, take a back seat and uh, let. <laughs> Let somebody else take over. Oh, wow. Um, David. But I think before we go forward, like I think one thing I really um, admire about my dad is 
as I think you can kind of tell, like even from the previous episode, David is also doing medicine. I I'm also following in. We are both following in my dad in our dad's footsteps, and I think one thing that I really really uh can see is my dad's heart for the people. Uh, I feel like one thing you've always told us is to like never um forget the poor, and I can tell like you are very passionate in the things that you do. Whether it's for uh, mission projects or even right now with the pandemic, where mm. a lot of GPs um, they close because they are afraid of getting and contracting COVID and bringing it back home to their family. But no, man, I feel like for you, you see it as a challenge and you see it as okay. I cannot shy away from this in a exactly, time where exactly. the healthcare system is mm. uh, on the brink of collapse. Mm. Uh, I, you say. I don't think it's something that I should back down from as a doctor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, starting from the beginning of last year, as most of you know, uh, remember about the Wuhan outbreak, um, and then how it slowly spread all over the world until today. I think we have more than two hundred million confirmed uh, positive cases, but wow. of course the real cases probably uh, exceed more one right. billion. Uh, one billion. Oh my. Uh, and death of more than four million. Again, probably real cases could be way higher than that, lah. So the impact it has on the nation's healthcare system has been pretty disastrous, yeah. to the point that um, many of my patients um, are unable to get a bed in the hospital. And even those who who manage to get in, they share of uh, the horror story of being uh, neglected. Uh, not not because the healthcare workers are intentionally, you know, neglecting them, but because they are simply overwhelmed and understaffed. You know, with a ratio mm. of uh, something like one to one doctors to sixty patients. So crazy, yeah, actually. so the standard of care has understandably uh, suffered tremendously. So for me personally, because I have such a um, connection with my patient. Some of them has been with me for more than twenty years. I, I struggle, but I try to provide some form of treatment for them, yeah. uh, to lessen the uh, burden on our poor, fellow uh, healthcare worker in the government setting here. Mm, wow! And I think we are gonna dive really mm. into that mm. because recently I've been following my dad to work, and I can tell you, like, it really is interesting. Mm. A lot of stories, also very heartbreaking stories, but also mm. very fulfilling stories as well. Yep. Because we mm. actually do see patients that uh, get well, yep. some yep. get worse. Yep. But before that, mm. I actually want to ask you, um, let's go right back to the beginning. How has your practice changed since COVID? What measures have you implemented in your clinic? Yeah. Mm, so the key uh, focus uh, for me for the last uh, two years has been safety, safety for right. my my staff, my nurses, and of, of course safety for my patient. As uh, many of you know, uh, this uh, COVID nineteen virus uh, is airborne. Uh, by that I mean that it can linger in the air in a poorly ventilated indoor space for minutes to maybe even hours. Mm. And uh, you can breathe uh, those virus into your lung and thereby get infected. So the biggest challenge for me, which I have been struggling with since last year, is to how to minimize uh, that uh, 
viral transmission in my clinic. Mm -hmm. uh, most uh, GP clinic that uh, operate from the shop house, uh, you know, uh, tend to be small with you know air conditioning and um, very poor ventilation. Mm -hmm. So that actually uh, uh, sort of uh, becomes a risk for whoever that uh, enters in. So one of the the very first thing that I did is actually to um, uh, tear down my entire front glass panel of my clinic. Mm. And I converted the former children's play area into a separate room with a glass wall so that it becomes a separate consultation room for people who I suspect to be infected or high-risk uh, uh, patient mm. and to be able to keep them away from my regular patient who, who comes to see me perhaps for maybe just blood tests or some uh, non-COVID related case. Though. So that room, I have installed a uh, uh, suction fan. In fact, I have five suction fans in my clinic to ensure that the air really flows uh, continuously. Mm -hmm. uh, fresh air, you know, coming in and uh, uh, those um, internal air is then vented up to try to minimize the infection. And I have also installed uh, UVC light uh, in every room mm -hmm. uh, to sterilize the room. Uh, again, to protect our staff and our uh, our patient as well. Wow. Speaking of UV lights, mm. uh, I was just remembering this story. Remember mm. this patient that came in a few weeks ago? No, mm. no, a few days ago. And he has the spray with the UV light. Yeah. And remember, yeah. like, he came into your consultant room. Yeah. Uh, he wasn't like a COVID patient. He wasn't in the eye room. We yeah. call that the eye room. Yeah. But the isolation room. The yeah. isolation room. But he yeah. came into the normal room and he was like spraying down the whole chair everywhere going out he was a spray yeah. and we were yeah. just joking how he was like doing the job for yeah. us <laughs> i'm very grateful so next time so if you cute. go to a clinic make sure you bring your 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 atomizer sprayer and spray wherever you go yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that was super cute yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah how about ppe oh uh, again uh, one of the struggle i have is you know wearing the it's bad enough to wear the three-ply mask, you know, it's so stuffy. And yeah. for us, we have to wear the N95 mask. Yeah. Uh, basically, it's really sometimes unbearable. So what I did was to look at ways and means to make it comfortable for me and my staff to wear. Yeah. So I basically look for a small HEPA filter, like the one you have in your house, but it's the size of a small cigarette pack and it has a HEPA filter and a motor built within it and mm. I basically uh, modify it to include an N95 filter so that fresh air can be uh, pumped into our mask mm. uh, and uh, so that we can wear it comfortably for you know five hours six hours so uh, all my staff uh, are wearing that uh, device uh, which um, prior to the availability of the vaccine has uh, uh, basically protected us la, over the months uh, since the start of this pandemic. Mm. Uh, yeah. Wow, I love it. Actually, some of my friends like a very big, a lot of questions that, sorry, no, the main question that a lot of people ask me as well is how do you like sterilize? How do you make sure that you don't contract the virus? What are like, um, measures you take the PPE that you wear mm. and I think one thing that we also do is like we put our after like the day ends we 
change out of our scrubs and also like our PPE and aprons and we actually put them in an oven because it kills the bacteria, right? Yeah, yeah. Not an oven, an air fryer. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a big air fryer. <laughs> a big air fryer. Yeah, so at any tem temperature that is above 75 degrees Celsius will inactivate the virus. So we use an air fryer to uh, sterilize all of our PPE. Partly because we are not a hospital, we cannot afford to discard our PPE after a single use. Yeah. So that is one of the routine that we have uh, developed. Uh, every day we go to clinic, we will change into our clinic surgical gown, our PPE, put on our respirator, our apron, our goggle. Ah, uh, yeah, our uh, goggle. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's <laughs> like a ski you. goggle. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. like going to war. Yeah, and it's then after war. that, uh, to reverse the whole process uh, again. So the, initially, there were a lot of concern about uh, surface contaminant. Mm. You know, uh, so people become very wary about touching uh, things. Uh, th that is still true. But a uh, study shows that uh, actually 99% uh, of the infection uh, comes from the air that you breathe. Right. And only less than 0.1% of people got infected through surface contact. So my advice is that if you should go out to the public place, like uh, you know supermarket, uh, aircon place where there are a lot of people, make sure you double mask. Uh, and by that, I mean just a normal three-ply mask inside and a clothed mask on the outside. Mm. Uh, and make sure you wear preferably like, a goggle that seals around your eye. Uh, I think it's better than the face shield that uh, people are wearing because that tends to expose, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of gaps uh, around it. Right. Yeah. And I think we should also say wear your mask properly. Yeah. We see some people come in yeah. or like people wear their mask, right? It's mm. like their nose is not covered yeah. by the mask. Yeah. Yeah. So wear it properly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. But I actually have a question for you. Yeah. And even I myself am very curious. Why is it that in the midst of COVID and you are we are seeing the cases like we are hitting 21k already why do you still want to open your clinic what drives you and yeah what motivates you yeah are you not afraid yeah actually it's partly because many of my patients um I think on last count, more than 200 of them has become infected with COVID-19 uh, mm. from as young as two years old uh, to, to those in the 90s. Uh. And un unfortunately, at least uh, none of them has uh, passed away because of COVID-19, uh, simply because uh, uh, the public healthcare system uh, could not cope with the number of patients coming in. Yeah. So I thought that at least I can treat them early and perhaps prevent them from progressing to stage category three or four. Uh, and in that respect, uh, yeah, we have managed to help quite a lot of our patients, mm -hmm. both uh, those uh, young, low risk, as well as those older with higher risk. Yeah, it, it's a learning process. Um, so every day I'm reading and learning uh, to figure out how to manage this very unusual and very complex uh, disease. Mm. Yeah. Wow, and it's true though. Like I can say, remember some of the patients that came back after like day 21 and we see there was this uncle that came back and mm. he was so well. Like he his oxygen level was like 97, 98. Before mm. that it was like 90 
290 mm. when you first like treated him. Yeah, that's right. And that's right. I think really, yeah. I remember you telling me as well, like you mm. were just super happy yeah, yeah. to see him doing well. Yeah, yeah. So um, one of the funny thing about this COVID-19 is that um, most people who got infected, uh, now, you know, all these self-test kits are freely available. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of people are doing these uh, tests at home, which is very good. Uh, but just bear in mind that this self-test kit uh, have, has its limitation. Uh, by that, I mean, it tends to be not accurate if you test it too early. Uh, for example, you know, uh, maybe this person is uh, positive and I have been in close contact with her. Mm. And if you are asymptomatic and you do those tests, they tend to be negative. So my suggestion is to self-isolate and wait for at least uh, three days to five days before you do this uh, self-test kit. Mm. Uh, and my experience is that uh, once you have mild symptoms like uh, mild fever, body ache, those test kit tends to be uh, much more uh, accurate. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Mm. Wow. Mm. You know, you mentioned that you've treated like you have 200 patients and currently... 150 treated by me. Ah, yeah. treated by you. And yeah. that's crazy. Mm. Um, what would you say has been... Can you give an example of a case that you felt has been very fulfilling to you? Like the most fulfilling, the most memorable? Um, actually, there are many um, cases that has been... Uh, um, you know, has been a, a joy to me to... Usually, they involve entire family uh, right. infected. This Delta variant, uh, it's very different from the last year's uh, Wuhan variant, you know, the so-called Alpha variant, mm -hmm. because uh, the transmission rate is almost close to 100% within the same family. Mm -hmm. In fact, study shows that uh, a face-to-face -face, uh, contact of less than a few minutes uh, would uh, cause transmission of the virus. So for me to treat the family from those little kids uh, age two to their parents and then to see them recover uh, has been a joy. Uh, one thing that I would like to uh, probably mention about this uh, COVID-19 is this. Uh, all those who are infected tends to be quite well for the first uh, one week to 10 days. Mm. So a lot of them uh, sort of let down their guard uh, thinking that uh, this is going to be like a mild COVID. Uh, what I see is that a lot of patients, they tend to suddenly deteriorate, usually by five days after the onset of symptoms. And by symptoms, I mean maybe just a mild body ache, uh, fever. Yeah. Uh, uh, five days after that, they suddenly begin, become to feel breathless and uh, you know lethargic with a loss of appetite. So for those who have been infected with COVID-19 and are on home self-quarantine, uh, I would uh, advise you to closely monitor yourself, especially coming to day five to day eight from the first day of the symptoms onset. And if you notice that you are beginning to feel unwell, please quickly uh, seek uh, medical attention mm. uh, so that the doctor can help you to monitor yourself uh, closely uh, rather than you know, self-medicating with all sorts of vitamins and staying at home. Uh, and letting the disease progress to a uh, you know category four, uh, perhaps uh, even five. Uh, right. By then, it is actually quite hard to to treat. Yeah. Wow. Mm. And also, mm. I would say don't self medicate, right? 
We hear with, a lot of people. Uh, with vitamins, uh, by, by all means, yeah, you can. But you need somebody to help you to monitor yourself. Right. So that to detect those uh, subtle changes in your body that you might miss. Um, one of these very uh, interesting phenomena is called happy hypoxia. Mm. Hypoxia stands for uh, a drop in oxygenation of your blood. So uh, a normal oxygenation is usually between 97 to 100% for average person. And you can measure using the finger oximeter. Mm. So we have patients who still feel well even though their oxygenation has dropped to close to only 90%, which is uh, considered quite low. Mm. But they still feel uh, quite well and uh, so uh, not realizing that they are actually in a quite a critical uh, you know, crossroad that without any medical intervention, um, they might rapidly progress uh, to CAT4, CAT5. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I remember as mm. well, Remember there was this one patient, he was also an elderly man mm -hmm. and he didn't know that he had COVID and he tested positive in the clinic. And do you remember like how he, I remember he was just very dazed. Mm. I remember he had two sons. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. I remember he was just like dozing off. Yeah, um, yeah. Is that what happy hypoxia can do as well? Yes. Yeah. Make you sleepy. Yeah. It's almost like you're drunk a bit, you know, like happy hours. Yeah. But because of uh, low oxygenation, not because of uh, alcohol. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I think that as well, seeing so many patients, mm. you see patients from so different backgrounds. Some of them are like Orang Asli, mm. B40 communities, mm -hmm. all the way up to like more, let's say, pretty middle age, mm. uh, mm. Uh, no, middle class background families and um, individuals. Mm. Yeah. What would you say has been a struggle in terms of providing healthcare to yeah. poorer yeah. communities? Yeah. If you look at the, uh, the death rate breakdown, unfortunately, a huge proportion are among the B40s and the foreigners. The reason being because um, public healthcare has become so overstrained that uh, the quality and the standard of care has dropped tremendously. Mm. And uh, these folks are unable to afford uh, the, the expense of uh, private healthcare, which can run from anything from 2,000 ringgit per day for those CAT1, CAT2, uh, to as high as 10,000 10, ringgit per day for those who in category four and five. That's crazy. So a typical 10 days to two weeks stay in a private hospital uh, could very well cost you between 100 to 200,000 ringgit. Mm. So the struggle that we have faced by, I think every patient and healthcare worker is how to find uh, reasonable care, but uh, you know, at a reasonable cost. Mm. Uh, so yeah. It's a struggle for many people. Yeah. Yeah, and I think like even for me personally, sometimes I see patients that uh they have been out of work for mm. a few months and like looking at their faces change mm. when they find out that their loved one or they themselves have tested positive, yeah. and it's like, oh, you know, I'm te I've tested positive. And the second worry is how am I going to afford mm. the bills 
And how am I going to afford an oxygen tank? Who is going to accept me into the hospital? Like hospitals, we have... There was recently, what? 30% were brought in dead. That was the news recently, right? About 93 uh, died uh, at home. Yeah, yeah. It's really, really sad. Shocking. Very heartbreaking. So basically, it's this. Uh, Vaccine doesn't protect you from getting infected. But what it can do is to ensure that uh, even if you get infected, your infection is mild. Category 1 to 3. So it means that you do not need to get admitted to hospital and uh, and you can recover rapidly so i would uh, strongly encourage uh, all of you if you, you if you are still not vaccinated uh, please please walk in now there are many center that accept uh, walk in mm. uh, with without any appointment mm. yeah wow mm. the vaccination rate in malaysia is pretty good quite mm. impressive yeah. i would say yeah. how do you deal with everything mentally I'm, I'm sure it must be very... Uh, you're caring for COVID patients and you don't just leave your work at the clinic. You have patients mm. calling you at home as well yeah. to tell you about their symptoms. How do you cope mentally? Well, it's quite stressful. So uh, every time I got a new, new uh, messages, uh, I dread reading it uh, because I, I'm worried that maybe the patient is uh, de- deteriorating. Mm. Uh, because I realized that uh, you know the chances of them finding a bed in the in the public hospital could be quite low. So uh, as much as I try to stabilize them, uh, there, there there are still cases that uh, you know uh, become uh, become quite bad suddenly, which uh, there is nothing I can do. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, definitely uh, stressful. <laughs> so yeah. what pushes you? to go on uh, those that recovered even those high high risk one that recovered has always been a source of uh, encouragement to me to keep uh, keep on trying la. yeah wow mm. do you have any advice for current medical doctors for uh, frontliners the reality is uh, COVID is here to stay so uh, as, as much as I hate to say it, uh, eventually, all of us sooner or later will get infected, and that includes those who are fully vaccinated. Um, partly because of the emergence of uh, variants like mm. uh, you know gamma delta. Now we have lambda from Peru. Delta plus. Uh, from and then the we delta. have uh, another one from <laughs> Colombia. So these are all highly infectious. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, it's we have to learn to live with uh, COVID nineteen for many years uh, to come. Um, so, uh, my encouragement is for all of us to make sure that our lifestyle yeah. is a good lifestyle that enhances our immunity, so that when the day comes, uh, our body will be able to fight and overcome this virus. Mm. Wow! Yeah. What is your do you think our healthcare system will ever go back to be the same again? Okay, one of the biggest uh, impact of this crisis has been uh, uh, our healthcare system. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I was just saying that uh, the amount of uh, money that we spend uh, these two years is 
probably equivalent to the 10 years allocation for a normal non-pandemic year. Wow. Uh, many of the instruments that, that are being used to treat COVID are uh, being used almost non-stop mm. uh, to the point of uh, breaking down. So my own feeling is that uh, even after this pandemic is uh, sort of dying down, uh, our healthcare system will take a while to recover, partly because of uh, the wear and tear uh, of both equipments and uh, you know doctors and nurses, yeah, uh, who has been struggling away from their loved one, and many of them has become infected, yeah. caring for this uh, COVID nineteen patient. So it's not just a, a wear and tear of the equipments, but also the the personnel as well. Uh, it will make um, healthcare uh, that much harder to provide after pandemic because of uh, the lack of resources. So, so therefore, it is really very important for each one of us to take care of our own health in the years uh, to come. Wow. Yeah. Man. Mm. Wow. So I'm just processing that. Mm. What are some principles like be before you we kind of like <clears throat> wrap things up, right? Um, what are some principles that you live by as a doctor? Maybe not necessarily as a doctor, but as a person. What values do you hold dear to you? Um, basically, to treat. Uh, the other person as you would treat yourself um, to try to do what you can of course within the limitation of your ability to help them yeah. to advise them to alleviate their suffering um, like what I always tell my children however bad our situation is uh, it is still way better than many people out there in this world uh, today. So to always have this uh, sense of gratitude, um, yeah, and to re remember uh, those who are less uh, fortunate than you, mm. uh, and and to to do what you can uh, to to help them. Wow, yeah. I can see that you have really carried this culture into the clinic mm. because I've been you know, following you to work for like the past few weeks and mm. I can see that the nurses themselves, they are so cheerful. Like mm. despite the bleak situation, the fact that you guys are seeing COVID patients in the clinic, mm. um, being like, we are literally seeing them face to face, taking their blood, their, taking their blood pressure, um, all of that. Mm. Um, you're still very cheerful and I think that you because of that cheerfulness and that sense of gratitude mm. the patients that come in even though they are afraid they know like oh, okay they have the reassurance like okay I I am in good hands mm. um, yes it is scary and it is definitely uncertain mm. but I am in good hands lah, yeah. for now well, it, it, it took a while for us to reach this stage because like many uh, doctors and nurses, uh, we are 
we are terrified by COVID and what it does to a human body. You know, watching what happens in Wuhan, Italy, New York, India. You know, yeah, uh, would uh, you know make any strong man's uh, knee weak? Uh, even until today, many of my uh, fellow GPs uh, are very wary in treating uh, COVID cases. But for us, what we did is basically we managed to come up with a system to protect ourselves. And also a system to segregate our patients. That means those who are high risk, we are able to separate them out from uh, the other patient, so that uh, you know they'll, they'll be not they'll, there will not be any cross transmission. So in our clinic, we have two separate doors, um, where one door leads to the uh, normal waiting area, and the other uh, leads to a separate, a totally separate room. Uh, which is uh, negatively pressured uh, with a suction fan mm. and that's where we see our COVID cases uh, but of course with uh, full PPE yeah mm. I've, I felt that this is really important because uh, this is the time in our nation where so many have become infected that we as a frontliner we really need to do everything we can uh, to advise them uh, to treat them and to monitor them yeah. Uh, and above all, to stabilize them so that they do not need to, you know, uh, get admitted to hospital uh, can, and can recover, uh, you know, uneventfully. Yeah. Wow. Mm. And yes, front. No, you said this before. Mm. We are not the frontliners. Mm. Everyone listening in are mm. frontliners, mm. and we are the back. Yeah, we are the last defense. We are the last defense. Yeah. And really, I think. Mm. Frontliners don't just include the contract MOs that are working yeah. um, tirelessly and really selflessly mm. la, mm. in the hospitals. Yeah. They are also the GPs, mm. um, the specialists. Mm. It's the whole healthcare system. La. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. How can we uh, support and encourage doctors and frontliners that are burnt out? What do you personally think? I think one of the biggest disservice that uh, a person can do for us is to refuse to be vaccinated mm. and to continue to forward uh, a lot of this unverified uh, news. Uh, often coming yeah. not from uh, frontline doctors who have actual COVID-19 experience, yeah. but uh, rather people who are spreading news perhaps for clicks or for popularity um, and this sort of fake news uh, create a lot of confusion because uh, most people who are not frontliner are not really able to differentiate uh, what is true and what is not true yes. and that touches everything from the nature of the virus to the nature of the vaccine to many of the medication that is available in the market. Mm. So my, my, uh, one of the things that really uh, dismay me and hurt me is to continue to receive all this uh, unverified fake news from even my close friends. Mm. Because they Especially are, on WhatsApp where they yeah. say forwarded many times. Yeah. Because oh. their refusal to be vaccinated and they are uh, actually empowering the virus to spread further and faster. Yeah. So even though they might not uh, fall severely ill, they become a, a, a source of a new variant because every time you get infected with the virus, the vi virus will mutate in the person mm. 
And so that's what we are seeing today, uh, where unvaccinated people become a source of new variant. Uh, that will prolong our lockdown. That has destroyed so many businesses. Mm. That has, uh, you know, destroyed so many lives, uh, families. So yeah, vac vaccination is not without its um, side effect. But if you look at Malaysia as a whole, with more than twenty million people uh, vaccinated, the 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 percentage of uh, severe side effect is actually very 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 low. And it has been proven that vaccination protects you from severe diseases. The best, best example is among the frontliners like us who are vaccinated. I think close, close to 250,000 frontliners. Only about 4,000 have become infected and no one died. Mm. Uh, and only I think two or three are cat 4. The vast majority are just cat 1 to cat 3. So if you want to help us, please get yourself vaccinated so that you don't end up severely ill uh, and coming to the hospital where we need to work day and night to take care of you, uh, away from our parents, away from our loved one, uh, and to really just you know lessen our workload. That is the best thing that you can do uh, for us. I love it. Mm. I love it. Well, I think we've kind of come to mm. the end of this uh, episode. Is there any last words that you have for people that are listening in? Well, the best gift you can give to your loved one and to our nation so that we can return to normality is to please get vaccinated and please uh, obey the SOP that has been laid down that actually works to protect you even when after you have been vaccinated. Uh, it really works. So please do this not just for yourself, but for our country, uh, for our fellow citizens, so that we can overcome this pandemic and rebuild what has been lost in the last two years. Yeah. Mm. Wow. And you know, even just adding on to that, mm. it's not just the healthcare system that is suffering, it is also the economy. Mm. Like, there are so many shops restaurants businesses that are closing down mm, mm. even people from the m40 a lot has been shifted down to the b40 mm, mm. communities they are classified as b40 and we all thought that this year things would get better but like what you said the virus is constantly mutating and it's not mutating to like a less um, mm. virulent, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's actually more lethal, mm. um, more infectious as mm. well. Mm. So really, get vaccinated. And mm. I think personally, even for me, looking at the people that come in every day, um, as much as we see all that is happening, like the doom and the gloom on the news, um, all the like the devis the devastating, heartbreaking news. I realize like we are all Malaysians lah. And when I look mm. at all the people that come in, all of them from like different walks in life, they all have their own story, their own experiences. And mm. it reminds me like, hey, all of these are Malaysians and they are human. They have their own fears, their own worries, mm. and also their own joys. Mm. So I find it quite fulfilling lah. Like I can mm. see why you find it fulfilling. And obviously it's scary, we don't want to bring back the virus or get infected, but 
really like you know mm. in the little that we do we do mm. the we do it to the best that we can yeah yep. yeah well thank you so much everyone for listening in i hope that you found this insightful if you did do like do share and mm. uh, do subscribe and share it with a friend encourage a frontliner if you know any frontliners shoot them a text ask them how they're doing um maybe even buy them food and if you know any members that are not yet vaccinated please go and yeah malaysia is really good with the vaccinate the way they set up the vaccination centers and i would say like just the whole rate that we are going mm. it's really really good lah. it's really good so go and get yourself vaccinated and yeah um we will see you in the next episode bye <laughs>